0: hunting cyber threats across platforms without moving data. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Kevin Scapinets, Vice President of Strategy and Design at IBM Security. Welcome, Kevin.
1: Thanks for having me, Tanya.
0: Give us a brief summary of the kinds of challenges you tackle at IBM Strategy and Design Group.
1: Yeah, so um, so I'm in charge of IBM's uh, go-forward security strategy. So think about IBM, obviously a very large company. And inside of that, we have a security business unit that's made up of about 8,000 employees. Uh, And we have a a large portfolio of products and services to help our customers with cyber threats, defending against them, preparing for them, uh, architecting security solutions, et cetera. So my job is to keep ahead of the next step of of solutions that our customers need. Uh, What do they need to, to help with the skills gap that they have? What do they need in terms of making sure that they're ahead of the next set of technologies that are out there that they might need to secure um, and and making sure that we're bringing that to our clients. And the design angle is bringing offerings that our customers ultimately love and, and, and use and makes a difference uh, in their everyday jobs.
0: IBM just announced an industry first capability to hunt threats across security tools and clouds without moving data. We'll lay the foundation by explaining the problem with enterprise security tools and platforms as they exist today.
1: Yeah, so I think um, there's a bit of an untold story in in cybersecurity. Uh, oftentimes, we're we're focused on the latest breach or the latest uh, attack or advanced persistent threat or zero day exploits, and and these things uh, make the headlines for good reason and and because they are uh, they're very important to get ahead of. But the fact of the matter is the untold story in security sometimes is just the fragmentation of the tools that the defenders need to use to protect business, protect data, and so on. And so if you think about the security industry over the last maybe two decades, uh, for as long as I've been in it, um, it's, it's expanded greatly. Uh, I think the, the total market size for the cybersecurity industry now is something like $124 billion, according to Gartner. huge. And that's huge. Every year you have more and more vendors coming on uh, to the scene with with another solution uh, to the problem. And and what you have is customers who have accumulated for very good reason, because they need to protect uh, any end number of new threats and and, and things within their environment. They've got dozens of tools from dozens of vendors. It's actually not uncommon to have a, a security team have over 100 tools, in fact, from maybe 45, 50 vendors if you think about it, as a, as a defender of trying to make sure that, that the, the company is secure, using all of those tools, which by the way, weren't created to interact with each other to, to integrate w- with one another is a mat- major headache, um, especially when you need to look across multiple tools to figure out potentially when a threat exists, could be an insider threat, could be an external attack. And so what you have is security teams who are pivoting from tool to tool to tool, from data source to data source. And they spend a lot of their days, actually, either engineering time, you've got security engineering teams within companies who are wiring these things together, or you have security analysts who are sitting uh, in in maybe a security operation center, and they're monitoring for threats, and they've got to pivot from console to console to console, and they got to configure them and manage them, and update them. Uh, and that alone, it, in and of itself, is a security problem and a security threat, and especially when you've got the humans being like the human glue to make these things work together. So we see this security fragmentation as a, as a big deal. Um, and in conjunction with that, there's another major force that's, that's happening right now that's really affecting many of our, our customers and many security teams out there. And that's just the expansion of, of the threat landscape, which is nothing new to anyone who's been following security for two decades. You know, Every new mobile device, uh, every new uh, part of, the, of a company that gets digitized is, a, is an additional element of, of a threat vector that you've gotta make sure that you have uh, protected. But now with widespread cloud adoption, you've got even more. You have multiple public clouds, private clouds, um, different ways in which uh, the companies may be expanding their environment, and at great speed, by the way. uh, And and that places some stress on a security team who needs to figure out where all this data lies and and how to make sense of it. Um, And so what you've got is that fragmentation. You've got this major expansion. Um, And and now we're saying, how do we take control of that and give our customers maybe a solution out there that can help them look across multiple clouds, but also then knit together uh, some of the security solutions, which are just disconnected. And and that's the essence of uh, what we're announcing, which is the Cloud Pack for security.
0: So what benefits does open source offer in addressing enterprise security challenges?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So so what I did mention there is when we're looking to design this cloud pack for security, that's the new solution that, that's being released, um, it has an underpinning of open source, okay? And open source in the way in which it connects to multiple tools and then looks for insights and data and brings that all into one place that the security analyst can, can use. And I'll get to some of those use cases in a moment. But we built that uh, with a foundation of open source, okay? And um, that shouldn't be a surprise for many people in the security industry. Um, you know, I've, I've been using open source tools in security as well for, for a long time. In fact, like I can remember 19 years ago, the first security tool I uh, messed around with, so to speak, was, was Snort, you know, the open source IDS tool, uh, which was out there freely available and, and allowed me to just, you know, get my hands wet in, in security and, and look at networks and packets and, and hunt for security threats. That was 19 years ago. But open source adoption in security actually hasn't been widespread. You know, we've had some tools which have turned into full-fledged companies, but by and large, I think security, unlike other parts of IT, like if you look at operating systems and management tools and application and data tools, predominantly, those are open source. And they're open source for for good reason. Um, One of them is because open source allows a community to get together and innovate real fast. And so if you look at like the way in which, you know, cloud management tools are being designed today, a tool like Kubernetes, which is like, uh, you know the major way in which um, you know cloud architects put containers on multiple clouds and orchestrate them that 's all open source and it 's open source uh, backed by like four thousand developers. so you think about like the army of developers who are working on that one single tool. if you look in the security space, we actually don 't have a lot of open source projects that brings uh, you know the security world together with so many developers you know, working on those tools and and and, and bringing them uh, together in, in, a, in a cohesive way and so Open source to us means kind of that first thing. You can get a community of people working together for interoperability and to innovate real quick. And the second thing is inherently, we believe open source in in many ways is even more secure. Uh, Because if you look at, again, operating systems, things like Linux and and Red Hat, obviously big acquisition by IBM, you look at the underpinning of the uh, Red Hat uh, Enterprise, Linux, RHEL, or even OpenShift, the, uh, the cloud platform that Red Hat has, Uh, the open nature of the code leads itself to many people looking at it, which can make it more secure as well. So we believe open source and uh, open integrations are kind of like a force multiplier in security. So our next set of offerings are going to leverage that to help us uh, speed innovation and get people working together.
0: So speaking of open source, explain the open cybersecurity Alliance and the role that it plays.
1: All right. So, uh, one of the things that, that we did is we, we formed uh, a consortium with, with uh, McAfee being one of the other leads and I think about 20 other security vendors in the industry. And it's part of the Oasis consortium. It's called the Open Cybersecurity Alliance. And it's a way for vendors to get together and develop tools that integrate well together and that are open source projects. And again, this is about getting the industry together such that we're developing common code, such that when we develop a capability in security, It could be looking for malware. It could be identifying vulnerabilities. It could be helping people with identity and access management. We're building those solutions that are open so they can integrate with some other vendor solution. And that by and large hasn't really happened. It's been sort of ad hoc. And so the Open Cybersecurity Alliance brings all these vendors together. We agree on some common open standards. We contribute to projects. One of the things that IBM contributed is called, uh, it's got an interesting name, it's called Stix Shifter. Uh, And the idea there is uh, Stix is a a format that's used to express threat information. It's been out for quite some time. Stix Shifter is a way to take analytics and put it in a common format such that when a tool um, needs to be searched, uh, its data set needs to be searched, it can be done in a a very interoperable way, in a standards-based way. And the Stix Shifter will allow you to write a query and return security information. Now it sounds you know, pretty technical and geeky, it's sort of the underpinnings of what happens in, in security now, it's a project that we contributed. But the good news is we're using that in our a solution I'll talk to you in, in, in a second here called the Cloud Pack for Security. It's kind of the foundational layer that allows this solution to essentially integrate with multiple other security tools and from one single place, say, ask it a question, uh, hey, have you seen this malware? Have you seen this indicator that might be indicative of a threat? And it'll search across all the different tools that uh, that it has adapters for, and be able to return that information in one place. And that's going to save our security teams a lot of them time.
0: So you said cloud pack security, is that right?
1: Cloud pack for security, that's right.
0: So explain that.
1: So uh, IBM has a, a concept of cloud packs right now. There's there's five cloud packs, uh, and the sixth being cloud pack for security in IBM. And what a cloud pack is is a containerized set of software that works together and can be deployed on Red Hat's OpenShift. So OpenShift is the the cloud layer that um, allows for workloads and containers to be run on any cloud. It could be the IBM cloud, could be Azure, Microsoft's Azure, could be Amazon Web Services and multiple other clouds. And so what we've essentially done is, is built a solution called the Cloud Pack for Security, which is a security solution that runs on OpenShift so it can run on any cloud of your liking. And it will allow an analyst to essentially search for security information from one single place across all their security tools and bring back answers. And that's really important, again, for the the, the reason that I started with, right? All this fragmentation, all these different tools that security teams are using. When you install the cloud pack for security and hook it up to maybe SIM tools that are out there, security information and event management tools like IBM's QRadar or Splunk or any other SIM that's out there, endpoint tools endpoint point detection response tools like carbon black uh, even big databases like elastic um, we can essentially connect to those and search across all of them so let me give you a re- a use case for why this is important again because this is all, all the, the technical makings of it let's say you're in a, a security operation center kind of like the one one behind me here right and you are uh, monitoring for a threat um, or your job is to monitor for threats and you're alerted of uh, a big attack that's happening maybe worldwide or within your specific organization. This happens every single day. Security analysts are sitting in these seats and they've got to search for indicators of compromise. So that could be just a, a breadcrumb or something that, you know, the attacker has, has left. Uh, that's a remnant of a piece of malware or an, or an attack. It could be an indicator like an IP address that's malicious or a or a piece of malware based on uh, an MD5 that describes the, the actual executable, and they've got to search for those. So today, an analyst would search within their SIM, would search across their EDR tools, would search across other security tools, and so on and so forth. So by hooking all of them up to the cloud pack for security, you basically take that indicator, okay, let, you know, let's look for an MD5, and within a few seconds across all of them, you're grabbing it back, you're, you're saying, okay, I've got a problem, pivoting on the next indicator, and conducting your investigation and essentially helping you with speed and to bring it all together in a way that, unfortunately, in security, it would just have been ad hoc before.
0: Kevin Skapanet, Vice President of Strategy and Design at IBM Security. If somebody wants to connect with you, Kevin, maybe they want to find out more about this news. How can they do that?
1: Yep, they can just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I think uh, my name is K Scap, K-S-K-A-P, on LinkedIn, and happy to talk with you. Thank you.
0: Sounds good. Thanks again. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.